feel good and uh, sugar turns to alcohol, a bit like the Holston pills for Rob. And uh, before that's a Queen and One Vision for Brett. And the Full English Breakfast Show, the local France has carried out a survey on uh, people in France who've received unexpectedly large juicy fees on packages sent to the country. Uh, among the more than 100 people who responded to the survey, 97.3% said they've been hit by juicy fees on packages sent to France. Uh, Jane Vallett had to fork out €7.50 to pick up a birthday card and a bar of chocolate from the post office. Uh, Graham Hilton said he had to pay €650 to receive a set of alloy car wheels, which had already purchased for more than €1,300 per postage included. Uh, Brian Way had to splash out €10 for a free tote bag sent to him as a reward for taking out a magazine subscription. Uh, The local says many of its readers have reported having to pay customs duties that often work out as being at least half the cost to the value of the package itself. Uh, This has put many off postage altogether, said one. We've now asked friends and family not to send gifts from the UK because of the duty imposed. Now, for people receiving packages from the UK, uh, it's a relatively new phenomenon. Before Brexit, of course, GC fees didn't apply because the UK was past the EU. Now, as well as having the appropriate postage, all items apart from documents sent from England, Scotland and Wales to the EU need an extra customs declaration form attached. Now, the form asks for the sender and recipient's details, whether the item is a gift or an item sent for sale, and a detailed description of what's in it. So birthday or Christmas parcels slightly lose their elements of surprise. Now, people sending packages to other non-EU countries, such as the United States, Canada and Australia, have always had to deal with duty fees and customs declarations, but several American uh, readers also reported being hit with unexpectedly large fees. It's a disgrace. It is. It happened to you, didn't it? It did, yeah. Yes. I bought a jacket online and then it arrived. I thought, oh, great, because I had it sent here. Then a week later, there was an envelope on my desk and it was a customs juicy bill. Haven't paid it yet. I'm going to wait for them to send a final reminder and then I'll cough up if they start getting a bit nasty. You're smiling about. That made it really easy. No, no, no. It's so easy. I was just thinking, I think you'll get it. You'll get them all right today. I didn't. Well, you do say that either you know (laughs) or you don't. What is easy for you might not be so easy for somebody else, you see. Okay, kicking off with first question. On this day in 1965, the Righteous Brothers were at number one on the UK singles chart. With which Phil Spector song? You never close your eyes. You, you've Very lost good. that loving feeling. Perfect. As immortalised by Tom Cruise in the film Top Gun. Yeah. Question number two. On this day in 1978, the Bee Gees started a four-week run at number one on the US singles chart with which song? Staying Alive. Correct. And That's finally, a lucky guess. on this day in 1984, Culture Club who were, of course, a four-member band, has started a three-week run at number one on the US single charts with... Karma Chameleon. Well done. There you go. Patrick. Riviera Radio. Business. Morning. Good morning. Yeah, so Andrew Bailey said uh, that the workers shouldn't ask for a pay rise, which is why you've been asking me how much money I've got and if I can give you a loan. <laughs> Honestly. We all... Yeah, I'm not sure many... Many people will be looking at their electricity bills. Many Oof. people will be filling their cars up at the pumps or indeed buying groceries thinking that um, that they shouldn't be deserving something to try and offset these elevated levels of inflation, quite frankly. Still Friday's amongst us, best day of the week. 
Well, it's a long way to go. It's been a big Thursday and we've got a huge Friday still to get through. So yeah. while you may be saying that's an hour and a half away, I've still probably got another 10, 12 hours. Right. Do you still think Boris Johnson's going to survive? That's what <laughs> I want to know. Come on. The, the wagons Pressure's are circling, building. aren't they? Pressure's building. Pressure's building. That's all I can say. OK, well, I hope you'll uh, offer a public apology and say that I was right after all when eventually he does go. <laughs> Well, eventually he will go. So I mean, well, you know, it's the t like all good forecasters, you know, you you you've come up with a concept without offering a time frame for it. No, so, I, I said, and then claim I, then claim victory. No, you no, know, no, if no, it's no. five I, years down the line. No, no, no. I, I, I you said, said he wouldn't be in office by Christmas. Oh <laughs> uh, well, that was last yeah, year. I got that wrong, and I'm perfectly prepared right, to admit okay. it. Right. Okay. Uh, but the rot started setting in before Christmas, didn't it? Let's face it. And uh, then I said he wouldn't be in charge by the end of January, and I got that wrong. But then I extended it to within a month, so I've got until the end of end of February, and then you know we're talking. Right, we'll see. I think he could be gone within two weeks. Okay, well we'll see. Right, um, markets. Uh, Wall Street's four-day winning streak ended yesterday. Uh, social media firms taking a, a really big hit. Analysts saying only firms who can deliver strong earnings growth will be rewarded and there will be more divergence between mega caps and lower quality names. Are we looking at sort of um, a dot-com bubble point two explosion here? I wouldn't necessarily say that. I kind of felt it a little bit after Meta, the owner of Facebook's results. But overnight, we've had decent numbers from the likes of Amazon, from Snap, and perhaps we'll see a, a good bounce back coming through in US technology shares, which, uh, which suggests that... Um, that the downward spiral may not necessarily play out. And should remember, of course, these companies are very different compared to the dot-com boom. They've got um, huge earnings. They've got um, strong balance sheets. They've got good customer base. They're entrenched within society. So the concept of a, of a bursting of a bubble like we saw um, during the dot-com era probably uh, is unlikely to play out, one would suspect. But there's no doubt investors have been nervous. They were spooked by the combined forces yesterday of uh, disappointing earnings, as I say, from the US tech sector, well, from Meta, and hawkish tones coming through from central bank policymakers. The Meta shock, which highlighted um, a stalling in user growth and rising competition, pushed shares of the Facebook owner down 23%, dragged down the broader tech sector, at least for a while. The share price plunge reduced Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg's wealth by $31 billion in a day, pushing him outside of the top 10 wealthiest people in the world, although he still has $92 billion, so perhaps shouldn't feel too sorry for him. Mark is also reacting to possible faster pace of policy normalisation as price pressures remain persistent. In terms of equities, stock 600 closed down 1.8%. Over on Wall Street, the S&P 500 was down 2.4%. Misery was really in the Nasdaq that was off 3.7%. But I say better results from Amazon and the like overnight should set us up for a better day today. Currently calling on the opening of the European market nine minutes away. FTSE up 51 points. Stacks over in Frankfurt up 90 points. CAC in Paris up 54 points. Looking over to uh, Wall Street, the Nasdaq future currently up 2.1%, helping to win back some of those gains that we saw, losses from yesterday, should I say. So is it meta or meter? Uh, I say meta. You see, uh, some people say meta and meta. I've been saying meta, but... Uh, it's the metaverse, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I so suppose so. It's not the metaverse. Because uh, mm. um, Mark Zuckerberg wanted to open a meta shop in the UK, but Nadine Sor Doris said it had to be in feet and inches. <laughs> Dear me. 
That is one of your worst ever. In two decades of doing this show, that really was a poor effort. You, you alluded to the Bank of England raising interest rates by a quarter of 1% to half a percent uh, yesterday. Not looking great, is it? I mean, this energy increase, 54% jump in energy bills from April. I mean, it might be all right for you in stockbroker belt, but I mean, a lot of people are not going to be able to pay that. Well, it's very true. It's certainly uh, resulting in a squeeze on, on living standards. There's no doubt about that. And part of the reason, of course, the central bank, uh, the Bank of England, now forecasting that annual inflation will peak at 7.25% in April after Ofgem increased that energy price cap. Remember that inflation rate is significantly higher than the 5.4% registered in December, which was already a 30-year high. And markets have been reacting to that, particularly from the minutes from the MPC that provided a further hawkish tone after four out of the nine policymakers voted for a 50 basis point hike. We now expect the Bank of England's hike rates back to back until May, getting the base rate to 1%, after which we'd expect a pause. As you say, as the economy faces up to tightening monetary conditions, higher interest rates, tightening uh, fiscal policies, higher taxes, the cost of living squeeze and the ongoing Brexit disruption. Those pressures should start, I think, take some of the wind out of the Bank of England's tightening sales from the middle of the year. Yeah, I mean, the government's messed up here, hasn't it? We had a similar forecast of our energy prices in France, which were, were going to go up by 50% before the government stepped in. Uh, of course, it's uh, wisely, in my opinion, kept a stake in uh, the electricity supply EDF. And uh, they made EDF take an 8.4 billion euro hit and limited the price rise to 4%. Yeah, we've done a different approach here in the UK. Of course, the Chancellor announcing some rebates for households who will be impacted by that. So giving money back, I think, uh, via the council tax bans to uh, those poorest households that are most affected by that. But you're absolutely right. The rising energy costs certainly having an impact in terms of inflation, but also, as I say, on that cost of living. Yeah, it's a rebate, but I mean, it's, it's a loan, really, isn't it? Because it has to be paid back within five years. There's two things. There's the council tax rebate and then this kind of what he said is a grant, but actually it's a loan. <laughs> Yeah, we saw that a little bit during the course of the pandemic, of course. There has been a lot of flow of funds into businesses and into households, but some of which has to be paid back. And that, of course, will also pose problems for them as it starts to unwind. Uh, Christian Lagarde has sprouted wings and grown a beak. <laughs> Very hawkish, Christine Lagarde, yesterday. I mean, in comparison with the Bank of England, remember the European Central Bank was talking about yesterday was expected to be, the meeting was expected to be uneventful. The Central Bank was expected to maintain its patient approach and wait for new economic projections. In March, Christine Lagarde had other thoughts on her mind. In fact, she signalled a recalibration of quantitative easing at the March meeting and appeared to leave the door open for a rate hike this year as she pivoted away from the previous guidance that an interest rate rise this year was unlikely and now is focusing on the incoming data. Market reaction, of course, was strong. The euro strengthened. It was up 1%, its biggest one day advance in more than a year. Investors increased bets of rate hikes during the course of this year. We still do not believe that we'll see a rate hike in 2022, but elevated inflation, the expected upward revision to the 2023-2024 inflation forecast in March leads us now to forecast a 25 basis point hike in March and a further 25 basis point hike in September. This is March and September, of course, 2023. I know that Amazon's plan for world domination is continuing, and I think we'll skip over that if you don't mind. But uh, just a quick word about the non-farm payrolls today. 
Difficult one to call today, to be honest with you. We look for payroll employment growth to slow to 50,000 in January. That's down from 199,000 in December. If you look at the high frequency data, including things like jobless claims, they're pointing to a weakening in labour market conditions in early January, likely to uh, take account of the surge that we've seen in Omicron cases and adverse weather conditions as well. Elsewhere in the report, we expect the unemployment rate to hold steady at 3.9% for average hourly earnings to rise 0.5% month on month, 5.2% year on year. But there are, I think, significant downside risks to those forecasts. If you look at the data from the Household Pulse survey, for example, showed 8.8 million adults were not working during the week of January the 11th due to the need to care for someone sick or themselves were sick with coronavirus symptoms. That's significantly up on the 2.9 million of mid-December and well above the prior peak of 4.7 million seen in the peak of the Delta variant. So should those large numbers of hourly workers fall off payrolls temporarily due to prolonged work absence, it could show up in a sizable payroll decline. So uh, maybe not taking too much into, uh, into account as we get those figures later today. Foreign exchange, please. Euro looking stronger, as we've been talking about this morning on the back of those hawkish comments from Christine Lagarde. Pound against the dollar coming in at 136. Euro dollar now 114 and a half. Going to get a mere one euro, 18 and a half cents for your British pound this morning. Thank you very much. Have a lovely weekend. Talk to you Monday. Have a good weekend. Hang pots from Barclays. On FM and DAB Plus across the Côte d'Azur, on your phone and worldwide online. This is Riviera Radio with the latest local news for the south of France. Sarah Lys has the top stories across the Riviera. A man in his 20s has been seriously injured after a crash on a quad bike. The accident occurred on the RD9 in Mosaic Bellevue in the VAR. The victim was airlifted to hospital in Toulon. The exact circumstances of the collision are still to be determined. In other news, a fugitive suspected of several thefts on the Riviera has been arrested in the Paris region. The man is suspected of having participated in the theft of a diamond of 4.5 million euros in Cannes. The 38-year-old Frenchman has been on the run since November 2020 and was arrested in a shopping centre in Seine-Saint-Denis. He is allegedly part of a gang suspected of the theft of two diamonds, one in Barcelona worth 12 million euros and the other in Cannes, estimated at 4.5 million euros. Three young people aged between 15 and 16 years old have been arrested for acts of vandalism in Le Canet. For two nights, several vehicles as well as two bus shelters were vandalised in the Aubadared uh, district. Uh, the three culprits were identified through CCTV footage and have admitted the facts. While the mayor of Nice, Christian Strozzi, has shown his support for Emmanuel Macron in the presidential elections, the mayor of Cogolin in the VAR is the first elected representative of the PACA region to support Eric Zemmour, the far-right candidate. Zemmour has so far totaled 58 sponsorships out of the 500 needed to run in the presidential election. Meanwhile, French President Emmanuel Macron has collected the required 500 sponsorships for the election, even though he has not yet announced his candidacy. Presidential candidates must collect 500 sponsorships before the 4th of March in order to be able to run in the election. And according to data compiled by BFM TV, the five most right-wing candidates for the presidential elections in France have more than 80% of interactions on Facebook in France. That's over the month of January 2022. The two far-right candidates have only 8.86% of interactions. 
According to the January ranking, Eric Zimor is well ahead with 2.3 million interactions. The parties of the left, centre or right account for only 8.43% of total interactions on Facebook. The magazine Autoplus has revealed that the Toyota Prius topped the ranking for the model model, the most stolen in France in 2021. 120 vehicles are stolen every year. That's 328 car thefts every day. The Provence-Alpes-Côte d'Azur region has the highest number of car thefts in the country ahead of Paris. The president of the John Taylor, uh, one of the leading luxury real estate companies, has announced a record sale of an apartment here in the Principality. At the end of 2021, uh, John Taylor Monaco achieved the biggest sale in its history. The company has not disclosed the exact amount but said it was a nine-figure sum. The news comes as Mayor Agent published on Thursday, uh, February the 3rd, its ranking of the most expensive streets to buy property in France. While the most expensive streets are found in the French capital, where property in certain streets can exceed €20,000 per square metre, Nice comes second with Avenue Jean Lorraine, where the price per square metre is more than €9,000. And finally, since the reopening of the US borders last November, Air France is gradually increasing its service with a daily flight to New York from Paris Orly. For the summer of 2022, uh, from April to October, and as of March the 27th, uh, the company will resume its flights between Paris Orly and New York JFK with a daily flight. New York will therefore be connected to the two Parisian airports with a total of up to seven daily flights. Riviera Radio, Sports News. Where's the Avenue Jean Lorraine? Uh, it's on the seafront. Is it? Mm. Isn't that the promenade des Anglais? Yeah, no, it leads up to... Oh, OK, one of the side streets. Mm. Is it? OK. I bet the Boulevard du Montbaron's not cheap either, the top end. Yeah, I'm surprised that it's uh, on the seafront. I thought it would have been, as you say, Montbaron or Franck Pilat or... Mm. Or Anke de Deux Emmanuel. <laughs> <laughs> Rue Trachel. <laughs> uh, the opening ceremony at the Beijing Winter Olympics is taking place later amid criticism that the game should not be held in a country with such an appalling human rights record and with environmentalists scathing about the amount of artificial snow that's been created for the Alpine events. The president of the IOC, Thomas Bach, has also been criticised for taking a neutral position on the plight of the oppressed Uyghur population of China after saying the organisation can't comment on political issues as it would put the games at risk. Many world leaders will stay away from the opening ceremony, which will be held in the presence of the Chinese President Xi Jinping and the Russian President Vladimir Putin. Athletes, officials and journalists will be cordoned off from the rest of the world during the Games, with their movement restricted to the airports, official buses and venues and hotels, and leaving the bubble is strictly forbidden. Sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? Rugby Union, the first round of the 2022 Six Nations Championship is being played this weekend, with France seen by many as favourites to pull off the Grand Slam. France have what looks like an easy opener on Sunday against Italy in Paris. Are you expecting an upset there or not? Uh, don't know. Come on, you can't say Italy are <laughs> going to beat France. No way. Could be a cricket score. Uh, Ireland kicked the tournament off against Wales in Dublin at 3.15 tomorrow. Who are you on there? Ireland. Ireland? Yeah. Don't rise off the Welsh. And that's followed by the Calcutta Cup game between Scotland and England and Murrayfield at 5.45. Scotland. 
Yeah, I think Scotland might beat England tomorrow. Uh, England have a number of injury absences with the side captain by Tom Curry as Owen Farrell is out following ankle surgery. And uh, Scotland actually beat England last in the last Six Nations, didn't they? Football, Egypt will play Senegal in the Africa Cup of Nations final. Uh, Egypt won their semi-final against the host Cameroon 3-1 on penalties after the scores were tied at 0-0 after extra time. Senegal booked their place after beating Burkina Faso 3-1 on Wednesday. So it's a tricky one for uh, for you, Sarah. Yes. You've got Mo Salah on the Egypt team and Sadio Mane in the uh, the Senegal side. Oh, we'll just have to wait and see, won't Hoping we? for a draw then, <laughs> yes. are you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Here's more football from BBC Sport. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. Hello, I'm Paul Serres at the BBC Sports Centre. Frank Lampard says he will prove his doubters wrong as he prepares to take charge of Everton for the first time on Saturday. The Merseyside club are currently four points above the relegation zone in the Premier League but take on Brentford in the FA Cup this weekend. Lampard believes he can turn things around. Nobody would be happy with the run that we've been on in terms of points over, over the first half of the season. But I have to also bring in an, an element of calm to, to the players and to the club and also an element of looking at ourselves and saying that there is this huge amount of talent. If I didn't believe in that, if I didn't think I was the man to come and, and bring that out and harness it, then, then I wouldn't be here. So I'm not concerned about that. Um, I just want to come and make sure that I get to work very quickly and the players respond to that quickly. And then I believe once we do that, we can go in the right direction. Manchester United's interim boss, Ralph Rangnick, has admitted the decision to keep Jesse Lingard at Old Trafford was partially driven by Mason Greenwood's current unavailability. Greenwood has been released on bail following his arrest on Sunday. However, United have confirmed the 20-year-old will not train or play for the club until further notice. It was part of the discussions around Lingard on deadline day when Newcastle and West Ham were interested in signing him. In the end, Lingard did not get the move he wanted and Rangnick said the Greenwood situation was part of the reason why. Three weeks ago, Jesse didn't want to leave. Then he changed his mind. Uh, I had a chat with him uh, some 10 days ago and I could fully understand why and that he wanted to leave to get game time for his future, also for the World Cup. And I said to him at the time, uh, in case uh, he finds a club uh, where he would like to play for and uh, also the club finds a solution with our club, I would let him go and allow him to leave. But obviously, with all the development we had in the last couple of days, uh, things changed a little bit. And for more football news from the BBC, go to bbc.com forward slash football. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. I have no idea why uh, Jesse Lingard hasn't been getting more games than Manchester United. He sort of did when he was on a loan of West Ham last season. He's a great player. Can't understand it. It is FA Cup fourth round weekend in England with the holders Leicester City away at Midlands rivals Nottingham Forest on Sunday. Of the Minnows, Kidderminster Harriers take on West Ham of the Premier League tomorrow while non-league Boreham Wood travel to Bournemouth the Championship on Sunday. Chelsea play Plymouth at home tomorrow while Liverpool host Cardiff City. Cup set. Cup set, cup set. No, uh, that's on Sunday. It's the top of the Premier League against the top of the Championship with Manchester City at home to Fulham tomorrow, while Manchester United host Middlesbrough tonight. There's one game in the English Premier League with a relegation six-pointer between on, Burnley. Burnley and Watford. <laughs> I think Burnley can smash it. Not Roy to the Whiskey? No. All right, well, Stuart will be uh, on your side then. It certainly will be. 
Burnley for you. Okay, they've got a few games in hand, Burnley as well, but uh, I'm going to stick my neck out and say, what is going to get off to a winning start? Cricket, the England head coach Chris Silverwood has stepped down following the side's disastrous Ashes tour. Silverwood, who was appointed in 2019, saw his side lose the Ashes 4-0 to Australia and has overseen a decline in test match performances that's only yielded one win in the past four seasons. Earlier this week, England's director of cricket Ashley Giles was also sacked. Sir Andrew Strauss has stretched into the role on a temporary basis and will be in charge of appointing an interim coach for the tour of the West Indies. Here's the marine weather forecast for coastal areas up to 20 miles offshore the Almarasim and the VAR. The general situation is high pressure, 1,020 millibars over the Mediterranean. Uh, winds are variable or southwesterly, force 2 to 4. The sea is slight, visibility is good. Barometric pressure of Sanjon Katfakar, 1,021 millibars. And the outlook for Saturday, clear skies, force 1 to 3 variable winds, calm seas, and good visibility. For North Corsica, the winds are southwesterly, force 3 to 5. The sea is slight to moderate. Visibilis is good. Barometric pressure at Cap Course, 1,020 millibars. And the outlook for Saturday, partially cloudy force 3 to 5 southwesterly winds, slight to moderate seas, and good visibility. Riviera Radio, weather. Well, it ended up quite cloudy yesterday afternoon, but uh, we should see the sunshine today. Partially cloudy, lights to moderate westerly winds, temperatures 15 to 16 degrees. Overnight lows 6 to 10 degrees with partially cloudy skies. The weekend mainly fine, highs of 15 to 17 degrees. Finally. A recent study has revealed that how much you enjoy spending time in the countryside appears to be something that you inherit from your parents' genes. Uh, the findings, the researchers said, highlighted the importance of providing access to natural spaces in shaping and encouraging a nature-seeking behaviour. Spending time in natural spaces has been found to improve mental well-being, even though people can experience and benefit from nature differently. I do like it in the country. You do? Nice and peaceful. Yeah. Just the birds singing in the background, occasional tractor rumbling in the distance. <laughs>